Welcome to the Go Big Redcast with Dave, Honky, Boomer, and Redcast Rob. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. This is a special edition lunchcast today, and we have an extra special guest in Adam Carricker, former Husker player and uh, NFL, I think, I guess, defensive end, defensive tackle. They moved you around quite a bit in your playing career. How are you doing today? I'm good. How about yourself? Oh, man, I am uh, doing pretty fantastic. It's May 4th. You may have seen my tweet out there of... Uh, me dressing up as Obi-Wan Kenobi and uh, I, I host trivia nights uh, for a company called Geeks Who Drink. And so sometimes I get to really nerd out and 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 get to dress up like that. So uh, and I know you've probably heard of Geeks Who Drink because you live here in Colorado. Right. And uh, it's at uh, we, we do it at all the local bars, things like that. So, yeah, I have. I did see the the picture in the tweet as well. I did think your lightsaber would be bigger. Well, you know, that's okay. And there, there's a few people out there who thought that too. But quite frankly, um, I had to borrow my son's lightsaber for that day. And, you gotcha. know, don't worry. I, I've, I've, I, I try not to put my personal lightsaber out there in public. There it's, you go. It's a good idea. These days. Um, so we do have a few things that we want to talk about before we get the show fully started here. Um, you know, first of all, if those of you who are watching right now, um, you know, if you haven't already subscribed to our YouTube channel, Go ahead and do that. Also, um, kind of a big announcement here. I know that you'll be interviewing Coach Tom Osborne tomorrow over on the Character Chronicles on YouTube, um, part of the Omaha World Herald Network, I believe, on YouTube. Is that correct? And then, yeah, and then uh, our show with with uh, Coach actually got moved. So I was going to be interviewing him on May 9th at one p.m. and that got moved to the eleventh because of some scheduling conflicts on both sides. And um, I'm still just honored to be talking to the living legend himself. And it's great. Um, I, I've said it before. Texting with Tom Osborne is, is really surreal for just a normal human being like me who, who was not a Husker. And, and uh, so that's a, it's a pretty amazing thing. And speaking of being a Husker, let's see, you played for Nebraska from what, 2002 through 2007? Is that right? You redshirted 2002 season or? Yeah. I redshirted in 02, so I technically played 03, 04, 05, and 06. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 03 to 06, but I technically played. Okay, so you were played – so you were – was it – you were recruited by Solich, or who were you – you were recruited by Solich and then played for Callahan then, right? Yeah, so Darling, Coach George Darlington, um, he was the one who had the West Coast where I grew up, so I dealt with him mostly, but yeah, Solich, Darlington, and then – think after my third year going into my third year I can't remember halfway through that's when I found out on ESPN they were letting Solich go and then Callahan came in and I finished my career with Callahan okay yeah so I'm a I it's well-known fact in Redcast Nation here that I'm a big Raiders fan um and you know we we don't have to talk about Bill Callahan if you don't want to I you know he he did take us to a Super Bowl we did lose that Super Bowl to uh John Gruden you know but um you know and with the and with the Huskers I know it was kind of a up and down career with that but um you know what what was your time with the Huskers like I mean for for you kind of what what did you take away most from that whole experience? Because I see you now and I see pictures of you then, and you look like a completely different person. You know, you, uh, I know that you've been having some issues yourself personally lately, um, with some stuff going on and, and, you know, I just kind of, it looks like you're taking really good care of yourself. So, um, 
you know, maybe, maybe you want to talk a little bit about that and your experience as, as a, as a Husker and kind of where it's led you now. Yeah. So we can talk about anything. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Callahan, Solich, Pelini, it don't matter. Um, <laughs> depends on how far in the weeds you want to go. I'm open to anything. Uh, as far as the Raiders, we can chat Raiders. My, my son is uh, about as anti Bronco a fan as you're going to, you're going to find and his, the Raiders are his favorite team. So oh. I hear about the Raiders all the time. Uh, the only thing I really know about Callahan's time with the Raiders is, didn't he say he had the dumbest players in the league or something like that? I remember that for some reason. Um, and then I know that, you know, he was kind of running the same plays, and I think Gruden knew exactly what they were going to do before they ran it in the Super Bowl. Uh, I've heard that thing a million times. But um, Callahan was always good to me. As far as my time with Nebraska, I, I, it, I almost look at it as two completely separate different eras while I was there because you had the Solich era and you had, you know, the weightlifting platform. The first time I was ever in, in the weight room as a Husker, I sat down on that thing, which you don't do. Um, seniors immediately came over and ripped into me like a monkey on a cupcake. You do not sit on that thing unless your name is on it. Um, that thing was gone a couple of years later when Callahan came in. So it was kind of the blue collar, double team power, running the option and those kinds of things. And obviously, you know, Callahan comes in, he recruits uh, a lot more skill position guys, very different offense, very different mentality, very different approach. So for me, I felt like I had part of the, the historical Nebraska experience, you know, power football, all those things. Um, and then I kind of had a glimpse into what the NFL was going to look like, so to speak, kind of. Um, you know, there were times at the end of my career where it was very, it was very hard. Uh, I, I was with my, I was dating my wife, Angie. Uh, obviously, we weren't married at the time, but I was like, you know, there were times it was, it was hard, if I'm being honest, to get fully motivated to go because um, the coach had one thought, which was very different than my first couple of years, uh, what I'd been taught the Nebraska way was. And so to me, there was a disconnect there. Um, and I think that led to some struggles later on. So for me, I literally had to find ways to motivate myself. Like my lifelong dream was to play at Nebraska. You didn't have to motivate me. Uh, I was uber motivated. And then as things started to change with different philosophies and, you know, we're not going to do things the way they were done for 40 years. For me, that was a challenge. And so I had to find ways to motivate myself, uh, which wasn't uber hard to do, but harder than you might think when it's a struggle, uh, when you're doing, seeing certain things every day. Uh, my overall career at Nebraska, I wish wish we'd have won more. I wish we'd have won a championship. I wish I'd have done some things different on a personal level. I'm proud of some things I did. Uh, it's a little bit of combination of everything. Um, it was a lifelong dream come true. It wasn't exactly what I expected when the coaching transition came in. Um, but I look back on it as a great learning experience overall fondly with some great lessons learned because anytime there's difficult times, uh, you can either give in or you can get better. And I honestly felt like I learned, got better and stronger from those times. Well, yeah. And I mean, it, it did lead to you, what, being the 17th overall pick in the NFL draft um, in the first round. So um, there was a graphic that ran across the bottom there said you're one of 33 Husker greats to have been selected in the first round. So um, you obviously were able to stay focused enough to do that. And, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of that just had to do on your talent alone. Um, did you ever consider playing quarterback in college? I mean, you were, you were made what first team, all team or second team, all team in high school on a, on a, 
team, I guess that struggled, right. Uh, your senior year, but, um, to say, to say the least, um, yeah. we don't, we don't have to talk about that if you don't want to, for sure. But, um, but, you know, I know that you played both defense and offense and you were the quarterback. So, um, you were obviously the man on your team. What kind of led you to be a defensive guy and, and, you know, how, you know, was, is that how you were recruited? Yeah, no, again, we can talk about anything. When it comes to high school, yeah, we weren't just 0-9 my senior year. We were two two wins and 34 losses in four years. Oh, so, God. yeah, uh, I'm, 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 I'm 20, what is it, 20 years later, I'm finally over it. We can finally talk about it. <laughs> A year ago, I wasn't okay with it. Um, you know, my sophomore year was the year I started becoming the starter. And my head coach, he goes, you're going to play safety on defense. And I was like, do I look like a safety? He goes, I don't want you getting touched. You're going to be the quarterback for the next three years. And I was like, okay, fine. Who doesn't want to be the quarterback? So my junior year, he said, you're not even going to play defense. He said, you're going to be the quarterback. And when we run the offensive part of practice, you're going to run the offense. And then when we go to the defensive priority of practice, you're going to run the scout team offense. So my junior year, I didn't even play defense. So basically for two years, I didn't play any sort of real defense in high school. Going into my senior year, I was never crazy about quarterback. Who doesn't like playing quarterback? Me. Um, I was never crazy about it. You know, I liked I liked hitting people. I liked I liked getting up. You got a little bit of blood in your mouth, or you can't walk right because you're bruised. And you're you know, I was known as the guy with the most ice bags in the in the training room afterwards, just because I liked physical contact. So I told my coach, I said, I, I want to play defense. And he looked at me, and at the time, he probably wasn't wrong. As much as I enjoyed those things. I may not have outwardly have shown them. I was much quieter for most of my life than I am now. And he goes, you're too nice to play defense. And looking back, he was probably right. Um, I said, but I want to play defense. And he said, well, you still need to play quarterback. We need a quarterback. And I said, that's perfectly fine. But going into my senior year, nobody had any tape of me on defense. I'd never played D-line. You know, middle school, freshman year, I was a linebacker. Then I was a safety. Then I didn't play. So when I went to a bunch of camps trying to get noticed, Oregon, Oregon State, Nebraska, you know, all these camps, um, I got way more offers as a quarterback, not at Nebraska, not, not as a triple option quarterback. That wasn't me. Uh, I, I did like 15 minutes of quarterback drills uh, in Nebraska's camp, and Turner Gill goes, the defensive guys are down there. <laughs> like I did not fit <laughs> that offensive scheme. Um, but what's funny is at the end of the camp, the D-line coach looked at me and he goes, you're not good enough to play here. And that was really my first experience playing D-line. And by the end of the year, you know, we'd send in some game films. And I think my last uh, game my senior year was against a school called Moses Lake. They ran the triple option. If I remember right, I had like 22 tackles. We sent mm -hmm. that in. And he goes, you've improved a lot. They offered me to walk on. Uh, ultimately, I did end up getting the scholarship. So that's kind of how that all worked out. I just, I much preferred defense, even though, you know, people wanted me as a quarterback more than, um, but that's just what I preferred. So I wore my black shirt just for you today too. Um, and that we got a question from Husker Nut here that said, what did it mean to get your black shirt for the first time? And how did they go about giving it to you back then? It was, it was my lifelong dream coming true. Like my dream wasn't to play in the NFL or major league baseball, or I'm a pro wrestling fan, even to, you know, be a pro wrestler. My dream was to play at Nebraska and I wanted to play defense. So my dream was to be a black shirt. And so that was literally my lifelong dream coming true. And I still remember it to this day. You walk in, I walked into the locker room 
and it was hanging there in the locker or in my locker. And, you know, they didn't have Twitter, you know, snap pomp and circumstance that you yeah. see today. Yeah, you know, yeah. Facebook was the Facebook. I don't know if anybody remembers. The <laughs> I Facebook. remember. Yeah. Drop yeah. the, the. Yeah, there you yeah, go. The, and so, I mean, had they recorded, you know, me that day, like they do guys nowadays, I, they would have seen a very big guy shedding a lot of tears, you know, on the Facebook or whatever outlet they would have put <laughs> out on. But I still remember the practice. Like it was like I was running on a cloud. I didn't get tired the entire day. I think I ran like a four three forty everywhere I was going because I felt so fast. Which is which uh, is crazy because you ran like a four seven nine in the combine, I think, or something like that. So yeah, it was something like I think four yeah. seven two or something like that. But it was it was kind of like I remember that practice. I remember that day. It was like I didn't get tired. It was almost like I was watching myself practice from above. It yep. was kind of crazy. It was like a dream, so to speak. I hear that. You want to do me a favor? Put your hand back up too, because I want any kids watching to see. Like, hold it back a little bit. If you can see some of the bends in 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 his hands too, like those are that those are <laughs> NFL players' hands and pinkies, like yeah. right there. Like you you put your hand up a minute ago, and I was like, holy yeah. cow! So yeah. I mean, playing in the NFL, right? You played for for two NFL teams, right? Like technically, like as far as stats go, and it was the LA Rams drafted you 17th overall in the first round, and then I think two years later you got traded to the Washington. Uh, well, at the time they were the Redskins and they were the football team. Now they're the commanders, um, yep. you know, and I know that you still do some work for, for the Washington team here and there. I think, don't you do some writing or something for them yeah. or yeah, sure, radio, radio show here and there. Yeah. Um, what was that like your time in the NFL, you know, out there playing? Like, do you have any like one or two specific memories that like, you know, maybe that aren't talked about? say like in like the greatest games of all time or anything, but like sometime like an interaction with another player or anything like that, that, that you specifically remember that when you're together with the guys, that's what you talk about. Yeah. Like you said, so they were in St. Louis at the time, the St. Louis Rams. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I got traded to the Redskins and then I signed back as a free agent after that year. Um, you know, the first time I walked into the Rams locker room, so I grew up watching the greatest show on turf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and Isaac Bruce was still there. Tory Holt, Orlando Pace. Falk was gone, but Steven Jackson. You know, Mark Bolger was coming off uh, his best ever, uh, Pro mm-hmm. Bowl and all that stuff. And I'm walking into the locker room and I'm like, you know, I was in like middle school when I was watching these guys win a Super Bowl or something like that. So, you know, that was kind of surreal. Um, I think – Playing in some of the places and against some of the players I got to play with and against. You know, I grew up watching Larry Allen, the greatest guard of all time. He was my second game. And I, I went, went to college him. with him. Oh, you did? In the yeah, I went, to Son- I went to Sonoma State yeah. University, and uh, yeah. he was uh, like a junior or senior when I was a freshman. Yeah. So playing against him in my second game ever. Of course, they knew they moved me to nose guard, so I'm learning a new position. Then I'm going against Larry Allen, the guy who bench, legit bench presses 800. Doesn't yeah, he, he yeah. does. Um. Yeah, I remember the first time, actually my favorite team, or I'd grown up, was the Cowboys. And I remember the first time we ever played them at the Hole in the Roof, you know, back before mm-hmm. Jerry World. I remember playing yep. Jerry World. but So God can watch his favorite team play. Oh, man. <laughs> or you know, he can take a leak on him, whatever. You know, um, <laughs> I actually walked out of there hating the Cowboys that day. And no, there was no reason for it. It just, I hated them. And you, you, were, the, you were a Redskin. You you were supposed to, to hate well, them. I was was that the with the Rams? Oh, you were a Ram too. Okay. Then I went okay. to the Commanders, the Redskins, whatever. And it was perfect because they hate cow, the Cowboys. Our first preseason game ever, you know, we don't play the Cowboys for like six weeks. 
But my first preseason game with them against the Bills, they're chanting, we want Dallas. So it was like the perfect blend. I hate them. They don't like them. It was perfect. Um, You know, for me, uh, just getting to be around guys that I'd watched growing up going against, you know, some of the all-time greats, uh, you know, 2012, when Robert took off and he set the league on fire, we started out three and six that year. Uh, And then we won seven straight games, won the NFC's championship at home field in the playoffs. And then the infamous, he tears his ACL and they put him Mm -hmm. back in the game. And there's a picture of him hurting it worse. And the knees like going the wrong way. And should he have gone back in? Albert Hainsworth, he was a blast to deal with. Um, You know, just with Redskins quarterbacks and their knees going the wrong direction. I don't know. I I watched, I remember the Monday night game watching Joe Theismann get hurt by, um, by uh oh god now all of a sudden the name escapes me but lawrence yeah the, uh, what's that lawrence taylor lawrence taylor yeah. yeah so i i remember watching that i was actually kind of in a weird circle of life thing uh my friend Stuart williams i was at his house watching that game and then of course about what 20 30 years later Stuart williams sent me a book a signed autograph book of uh, tom osborne <laughs> that i'm sitting right here so it's kind of a weird circle of life and i remember all these weird things about people but it's uh so it's funny because in the 90s, I actually rooted for the Cowboys. I, I've always been a Raider fan, but I rooted for him because I went to school with Larry and then Jane Novacek is my second cousin. So, oh, okay. yeah. yeah. So, um, so you actually, I, did you No, you didn't play against him though. He was, no, he was after me, yeah, but he I was that way him. out of the league by then. Yeah, I grew but, up watching him. But yeah. And Larry too, you know, eventually he moved onto the Niners, which kind of, I regret, I always wished he had been a Raider, but um, yeah. So I rooted for, for the Cowboys in the 90s only for those reasons, but it, it's funny. Cause now I, I see him and I'm like, God, like, I can't, I can't stand this team anymore. So, yeah. um, you know, it's a whole different, whole different scenario. I have no idea why it switched for me. I just walked off the field that day, absolutely hating them. And there was no reason for it. Uh, I, I think from my time in the NFL, <laughs> it's the cool people that I got to be around, play with, play against, learn from, get to become friends with, keep in touch with to this day. So for well, me, I think that was the, the coolest thing. Um, it would have been cooler had we beat the Seahawks that day, you know, not lost to him on the home field, but then I think they ended up in the Super Bowl or the next. So they, they weren't too bad themselves. Um, so yeah, it's funny too, cause you're what, six foot six. And I think at the height of your career, you were 300 pounds or 330 pounds. What something along those lines. Is that right? Are you talking college or NFL? NFL. Uh, the heaviest I ever was one day during training camp, I got on the scale and I was 320. Jeez. And then like the next day after a, a hot day, I was like 308. I lost like 12 pounds in one day. So I guess when you're 320 pounds, losing 12 pounds is like losing your pinky or something along those lines. Well, when it's hot, and you're, you know, that's back before they got rid of two a days, you know, and yeah. I'll tell you what, Nebraska's hot and humid. St. Louis is on another level. Virginia, we actually practice in Ashburn, Virginia, is mm-hmm. on a, another level, which I found out pretty quick. Yeah, it's like uh, you can shower, walk outside, and mm-hmm. and it's basically like you're still in the shower. I've, yeah. I mean, I I experienced some of that uh, traveling around the country for for an old job that I had, and and yeah, I I you know, growing up in Northern California, when they talk about humidity, it's a little different because it's like ocean air and fog. And so I was like, oh, East Coast humidity, that's nothing. I get out there and I was just like, I'm never living in this part of the world. That is not the same thing. No. The worst I've ever experienced, by the way, congrats uh, to Redcast Honky on putting on 12 pounds in one day in, in his life. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it was all muscle. 
But the worst I have ever uh, experienced was when I was rehabbing my knee in Pensacola, Florida, and it's mid-August. And it's like two or three in the afternoon, and I'm out running on the turf. So it's Florida. It's mid-August. It's like the hottest part of the day. It's on turf. And literally, like, I would run, and it'd be, like, normally you get, like, a 20, 30-second break in between, and you just, no, I wasn't just getting water. We had ice towels, and, like, we were dunking it on each other in between because it was like, I mean, it's not like life or death, but my gosh, it felt no, like it. No, it. it feels like it. I, yeah, yeah. I've, I've experienced it. And then there's grasshoppers the size of your foot, like, running around or flying through the air. So let's let's talk a little bit, too, about um, kind of what, what you're doing now. I, I was watching a, a really good video that you kind of like an instant reaction that you did about – some of the current uh, new guys that they're adding to the defense for Nebraska. Right. Um, And you being a defensive guy, and we talked about it on our regular show a little bit last night and I, and I brought that up, but um, you know, I'm excited because, because you kind of seem almost like when you see the right things happening, you, you kind of get this optimistic tone of voice that, that I really enjoy hearing. Right. Like I I don't like negativity. I always like to look at the positive. Right. And, and being a fan of some of the teams I am, I am, you kind of have to keep that perspective or you just be miserable. Um, And it seems like with your your teams aren't very good. Well, you know, I, well, I'm an A's fan. I'm a Raiders fan. I was, I've been a Warriors fan my entire life, so they're pretty good now. Um, And then of course, you know, Nebraska, the last, the last, uh, you know, five, six, seven years, it's been a little difficult, but, you know, with the addition of guys like Mathis and Drew here in the last couple of days, I heard you say some things about the possibilities with Chenander's defense and some of the schemes. And maybe you can talk a little bit about that for some of the fans that are listening, because I liked the ideas that you had. I I love like watching fun defense, watching guys, you know, blitz, things like that. So can you talk a little bit about what you foresee possibly happening with this defense? So, I mean, for about probably about the past decade or so, you know, we've had some guys who could get after the quarterback, but nobody who was able to do it on a consistent high level. Even Randy Gregory did it his one year, and then his senior year he was banged up. It's mm-hmm. hard to consistently do it year after year. So we've always had one guy who could potentially get after it, but we haven't been able to find one who could consistently do it and certainly not more than one. And so if I'm Eric Chenander, I'm trying to find ways to get pressure on the quarterback. So most, most folks would probably be like, hey, you don't have a top flight pass rusher. You've got to bring these exotic blitzes. Well, that's great if you got people who can cover and you still need people who can break free and get there. Otherwise, you're just going to give a big, gigantic chunk plays. But now, so he doesn't have to blitz all the time. Because he's got guys who can win one-on-one battles. But the other thing, the reason I went to the Blitzes, and number one, it's something that excites me. But number two, when you've got so many potential, potential really good pass rushers like O'Shawn Mathis, Garrett Nelson, Caleb Tanner, and I look at a guy like Jamari Butler, he, I mean, he you watch him just move. He's a physical athlete. Hopefully he can put it together to get on the field. Blaze Gunnarsson's another possibility. It's like, okay. And then you've got Luke Reimers, you got Henrich. How do you get these guys all on the field? Mm-hmm. So third down, because you can't do it on first down very often. Yeah, You're going to be undersized. So third down is where I go. And if you're going to put a guy like Garrett Nelson, who's a weight room warrior, strong as all get out. But if you're going to put him on the line, especially on the tackle, he's going to be undersized. So you've got to move him. And that's where like the stunting and the blitzing and all that stuff came in. How do you get them all on the field? How do you make it an appropriate situation? And how do you take advantage of what you have? So, I mean, you know, Tanner, I thought he would be heavier. He's 225. 
He's yeah. moving quick and light. I mean, that's basically a big safety or a small yeah. linebacker. You know, if you want to put him at end, that's great in pass rush situations. Mathis is a, is obviously an outside backer, DN type. Nelson's the one I would put possibly inside next to Robinson in nickel type situations. You could go 30 defense with 3D linemen, four backers. You know, if, if you're talking about 30 and you're talking about you want to keep Henrich and Reimer on the field and then you want to keep Nelson, maybe Butler, maybe Mathis, maybe all these guys, now you've got some tiny linemen in a 30 front, which is not a good idea. Because you got to have some size, so that's why I went nickel and doing some of those things. But now you can stump and you can blitz. You can have backers shoot the a gaps with the tackle stumping outside. You can have backers showing like they're going to blitz, then they back out, which could draw a block. And now your tackles are one on one with the guards, your D tackles. But now maybe they're short a blocker or two because I've been blocking this guy. Now he's not coming, but now I'm not double teaming. But now you're dropping extra guys. You still got the one on one, so you don't have the risk in the back end. You know, maybe the backers are coming off the tackle's butts because the tackers can shoot inside. Now the backers are coming through the B gap instead of the A gap. And so you've got guards and centers. By the way, the center has to snap, which is not <laughs> yeah. grasp the fans take for granted anymore. So is the backer coming? Is he dropping? Is the tackle going to earhole me? Is he, is he going to go straight? By the way, if I screw up, what about the snap? You know, I've got all these things to think about. Oh, by the way, if they just lined up and went one-on-one, this guard versus Garrett Nelson. Garrett Nelson's got a great chance to win to begin with, even if you didn't do anything to try to confuse me. And so the possibilities are endless of what they could do. I think the biggest challenge he's going to have um, is making the package not too big. Yeah. Making it something that is simple for you, but confusing for them. And if you want to bring the house, you can. If you want to bring one, you can. Or if you want to look like you're bringing the house and dropping it, you can but it doesn't confuse your guys, but it looks the same to the offense. So the quarterback isn't sure what to audible and the offensive lineman, you know, because one of the key things you can do is you can draw an offensive lineman's block and then drop into coverage. So now they're really blocking with four guys or three instead of five, but either you're blitzing the house or you're not. And yeah. that to me is what, what is so much fun. Of, I love defense. I yeah. coach my son. I can tell. <laughs> I coach my son's sixth grade football team. I don't coach the offense. Every yeah. youth sport coach I know is the head coach of their team so they can get their kid the ball and they can run the offense. Well, I don't get my kid the ball because I don't want to run the offense. I love defense. I have another guy who does that. I'm the only head coach, I think, in the entire state who runs the defense and not the offense. But that's well, what I love. It's funny because I have my, my son wants to start playing high school football next year. And he, he's been in some flag leagues. And every time that they ask me to coach, that's what I want to do is the defense because – it feels, I don't want to say defense is easier, but defense is way more fun because, you know, you can tell these guys like, okay, you, you know, count to two, like you tell a kid, count to two in your head, then break for this or break for that or yeah. stick with this guy and just keep, you know, I don't care where he goes on the field or wherever, you know, you stick with him, keep him in your hip pocket. Um, one guy you didn't mention in, in all that, in all I was of that. Just gonna say defense for you sports. Yeah. In general, defense is a thousand times easier. Like you've yeah. got to get the O-line together. You've got to get the snap count, the handoff. Oh, my God, try shotgun with sixth graders. Put a guy in motion. <laughs> you can't even you get the kid to hike the, the ball. Yeah. Like, yeah, if one guy messes up, your quarterback's getting killed. Now the quarterback's pissed. The O-lineman's pissed. He's not the quarterback. The running back wants to be the quarterback. This guy wants to be a lineman. By the way, you're, you got to get him on the same page. And here I am. Oh, we're just going to blitz a crap load of people, and you got to get the ball off. Good luck. You know, defense is a thousand times easier, especially in new sports. Yeah. So one guy that you didn't mention going through all those, and and I'm curious your take on him because I think this could be a really good breakout year for him is Nash, right? The polar bear. 
Um, for and you mentioned like a lot of your stuff is happening on third down, but like first and second down, stopping the run, plugging up the middle. Um, Husker Nut asked another question too about if you've heard that if they'll be running more of a four man front next season and what type of players do you need to run that and does then you have them now? So there are strong rumors that they will be moving to a four man front. I don't think anybody knows for sure right now because we don't know who we're going to have on the D line for sure. Yeah, we're still so signing guys. Obviously, he's ran a three man front the whole time he's been here. They've had four man packages, especially you know uh, passing situations. Um, I have heard strong rumors just because of the lack of experience when it comes to the tackles that they were going to go four man. Uh, my gut tells me that they will. Um, you know, Devin Drew obviously he started all year for Texas Tech. You got Ty Robinson. But you're you got to get at least one more guy from the portal. Hopefully, he's a playmaker. If if they do that and Nash plays well, they could stay thirty with four backers. Um, it wouldn't shock me, but it depends on who they get. And right now, it's completely up in the air. So as far as Nash, no, he absolutely occurred to me. Um, number one, he's a young guy, and you don't want to. I mean, listen to everything. Not not the U sports stuff, but like everything that I threw out possibility wise on third down. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't even been here an entire year yet. Okay, and you're counting on him, I guess, now to be your starting nose guard at this point in time. So young guys stepping up in the line happen a lot more than when I was coming out. Uh, Skill like wide receivers, DBs, those guys tended to play earlier. But the linemen, you got to get bigger, faster, stronger, that physical development. Guys are coming out of high school better than now than they ever were. And Nash is absolutely one of those guys. That guy's very strong. I think I didn't bring him up because he's obviously very strong. He obviously is going to contribute on first and second down. I think you don't want to, I don't know if his forte right now is in the pass rush scenario. There was other guys that I mentioned like a Messiah Newsom or somebody like that who may have the edge in that particular department, a little bit more explosive. So that was one reason. Another is you're going to need that guy on first and second down right now. We don't have a whole lot of run stoppers. So you need him to be effective. And the last thing you want to do is, Wear him out physically, but overload him mentally. Because that third down package, it might be more extensive than the first and second down. And obviously, he's going to have to know it to a degree. But if he can focus, sometimes less is more, where he's a young guy. If he can focus on first and second down, he might be that much better for you, where you already have more weapons on third down. You may not need to overload him at this point. Yeah. It's a, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited. I'm the Kool-Aid guy. Um, You know, you, you see me and I'm saying 15 and 0 this year, you know, and and until I'm proven wrong, I'm right. Right. Um, (laughs) There you go. (laughs) You know, and, and, and and so I'm kind of excited too. I think um, I'm calling it frost 2.0, right? So it's like, we got ourselves a new head coach. Uh, We got ourselves all new, new offensive, uh, new offensive guys too. So, you know, in the defense, you know, just we we just need to plug some holes there and get it in. So I'm I'm really excited for for this this season. You know, it's uh I don't I don't know how how you're looking at it. Um, you know, I I do see some of the some of the videos that you, that you post and and watch those and and like I said, you're always got like you're always looking at like here's what we should be doing or could be doing, right? It's never like you know this is why we failed or anything like that. So so I can appreciate that about you. Um, you know, do you spend a lot of time going back? to Lincoln, you know, around the team, you know, as a former player, as a former draft pick, I mean, you know, you're automatically your, your Husker legend is for you. Do you spend a lot of time around the program still at all? So I go, I try to go back every spring. I was scheduled to go back this spring due to the heart. It was like, you know what, the less I do right now, the better. Um, So I ended up 
emailing them and saying I wasn't going to be there for the spring game, but I was supposed to go back. And I usually go to two home games in the fall, usually one around Labor Day. Uh, Jacob's football team usually has that weekend off, a bye week. Okay. And they were usually done by November, so I, I go to a November game. I'm looking at Wisconsin this year. Um, I probably spent more time, if I'm being honest, going back and interacting when Riley was there mm-hmm. and when Frost first got there. Um, after about year two, for me, it was because I know how it could be when you're yeah. struggling and you're having a hard time. And I see myself as a former player who happens to do a show. I am well aware there are people who see me that way, but I'm well aware not everybody does. And so I can tell the people who see me as a media member first. And for me, I didn't want to be the former player who was abusing his former player privileges to take advantage of that in the media. And I felt like... Nobody said anything, but I got the feeling from a couple of people, they kind of felt that way. And so I'm like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to back off a little bit. Uh, I'll chat with those who are comfortable, but I don't want to give anyone else a negative feeling like legit. I could stop the show tomorrow and I'd be just fine. Other than I would miss and be miserable, not talking Husker football because mm-hmm. my priority is being a former player first. So I backed off a little bit um, just, just for that reason. But, you know, I'm sure if I said, Hey, can I come visit with you or do this or that? I'm sure they, they've always been more than welcome. So you touched on it briefly too. You want to give us any health updates? Uh, we got another question about that, asking about you. And I know you've been really public talking about your, your heart issues. Um, you know, how, how is that going for you? You know, you're taking it easy What you know? Yeah. So um, I, I've chosen to be more public with this. I think like when my wife was on bed rest for months with the twins, I never said a word. Uh, she's more private type person, but I know sometimes when people are going through things, um, it can be hard to be, to be forthcoming with them. Some people, it's it's just, it's just hard for them. And so if they see someone else who's doing it, even if it's not a hard issue, sometimes, you know, it can be easier for them. Um, you know, this is obviously not a mental health thing, but one of the first things that comes to my mind is mental health Mm -hmm. uh, or physical issues or whatever, so, um, you know, I have a great support system. So that's helped a lot. People have been reaching out. I have talked to people I ain't talked to in like 15 years. Um, so that was phenomenal. The health update, essentially, I'm actually, as soon as we're done here, uh, I'm going, I've, I've seen two doctors, two cardiologists. Uh, they have a little bit of varying opinions on what we should do next. Um, so I'm seeing like a tiebreaker, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, it's going to be our, our decision here. What's probably going to happen is they need to freeze parts of the heart because uh, the odds are I'm going to go back into AFib at some point. And where I'm so young, it's frankly a little bit kind of scary uh, how often it might happen, how severe it might be, especially if it happens over and over over time. So the idea is probably doing this second surgery, and then hopefully that will prevent the AFib from happening. But the one doctor the reason he's kind of hesitant to do it. He's like, most people don't know when they go into AFib. They'll be in AFib for like three months. They'll show up for their once a year health checkup. And then we find it. He's like, you knew, like my heart was pounding. Um, I was just an idiot and took forever to go in. Uh, (laughs) My heart was pounding. And he's like, so you've got that alarm clock. Most people don't have. He's like, your heart's going to go into AFib at some point, but is it a year from now? Is it 10 years from now? We don't know. And if you do this surgery now where you're so young, you may have to do it once or twice more. But if you can buy 10 years, maybe you only do it once, twice at the most. 
He's like, also, you know, there's a chance it goes back into AFib. And every time you do it, it weakens the heart more and more. So how many times do you want to let it go into it? So that's kind of what we're figuring out, uh, trying to figure out to do. The odds are we're going to do this surgery um, or procedure or whatever they call it. So that's kind of what we're probably looking at. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't really shared this publicly at all, though. But my, my daughter was diagnosed with, with AFib recently, and she's six. Um, so we're probably going to have to do a surgery with her, um, sometime in the beginning of next year. Right. So she's been doing school at home. We'll probably keep her doing school at home for the same thing. And it's, it's just scary, man. Like, yeah, it's scary for me thinking about it for my kid. I can't imagine what it'd be like thinking about it for myself. You know, it's, um, it's some heavy stuff. My dad's had five heart attacks and lived through them all. And he'll, wow. probably, he'll probably outlive all of us, Adam. Let me yeah. tell you, he'll only be 140 years old because he's an honorary son of us. Dude, he's he's like type two diabetic. He's a cancer oh, survivor. He's had five heart attacks. And and like if you knew him, he's like the honoriest old man that you'll ever meet in your entire life. I hope he's watching right now too, because he'll call me out on it. But yeah, yeah it, it's just crazy. So I mean, you know, I'll, I guess you and I will be talking when well, I'm I'm 47, you're 37. So when I'm like 80, 80 or 90 years old, we can have another, you know, Redcast episode and, and, and meet up again. Did she feel um, it? Or- so did we took out? her in for a regular, for a regular thing. And sometimes when she runs around, her heart beats a little bit faster, you know, and she was yeah. talking about it. So we had her looked at and that's when they found there's like a little valve that's supposed to close as the kid, mm-hmm. as a child gets older and it didn't close all the way. So they're going to, I think they're going to go in and close it up and, and, you know, they keep telling us it's not that big of a deal, but when it's your kid, it's a big deal. So mm-hmm. no, I understand and, for sure. Yeah. So, so moving on just because, you know, I don't want to start crying on the, on the thing over my six year old daughter. Um, the um, Jim in Minnesota, I'm sure you know him from, from Twitter or seeing him around on there. He's asking what you see different about Garrett, Garrett Nelson's game this year, um, you know, compared to previous years and, and why you're so high on him, I guess. So when I watch the spring game, I have to keep in mind their backup tackles because he he absolutely just destroyed them. And I'm like, wow. Um, but they're, they're backup tackles. Prohaska was injured. Um, Corcoran was out. Kind of the presumption is Corcoran will be right tackle. Prohaska left tackle. Obviously, they still have to earn it. Um, I'm still going to advocate for Brian, uh, Bryce Benhart to go to guard at some point. Uh, but in the spring, I just think they couldn't afford to do that with who was out, but yeah, he made them look kind of silly. I know he was going against someone else, a left tackle in the spring game. So I keep that in mind, but what I saw, cause I did a video last fall, why the Huskers were struggling to get after the quarterback. And there's three basic steps to getting after the quarterback, your get off uh, your first step. I mean, I've seen guys beat hall of fame quarterbacks based on their first uh, uh, hall of fame, offensive tackles based on their first step alone. Walter Jones for the Seahawks. I think it was 2008. And I remember, cause I was a rookie watching uh, Thanksgiving Day. DeMarcus Ware for the Cowboys going against Walter Jones, two Hall of Famers. And DeMarcus Ware had like three and a half sacks. And basically, he got three sacks based off his first step alone. He was by Walter with his first step before he ever got out of his stance. And then his dip and lean was so low, Walter couldn't get to him. Um, Garrett's first step has always been fine. I always thought, and I know he's not with us, so maybe this might make Husker fans a man. I always thought Phil Darius Payne had a great first step, the best one on the team. Obviously, he's moved on, but Garrett's always had a good one. I'll come back to step two. Step three was the finish. A lot of guys have a great first step. They have great 
hand moves. They have great technique as far as getting by the linemen, and they just don't quite finish like their hair's on fire. Go back and watch J.J. Watt. The guy's a physical freak, but before he got all banged up, and he was getting like 20 sacks more years than not, like him, remind me of Grant Wistrom in college. He would run 30 yards downfield having no idea if the play was still going to be going on. He'd follow a quarterback on his bootleg, is carrying out his fake, whether he knew he had it or not. Sometimes he'd have it. When most guys would be like, I don't think you've got it. I'm going to jog over here. But he would end up getting a sack based on effort alone. Garrett's always had those two things. Good first step, great finish. What he was struggling with is very typical, because he's still a young player, is very typical of a young player. Um, How do I get the hands off? The offensive lineman, he's trying to punch me away. He's trying to lock up right here. This might shock you, but they don't call holding very much. and Especially especially not against Nebraska. Oh, man. Good grief. So my senior year, the only holding call, penalty called all year was on me. They actually called it on me. I was so pissed. My, my jersey had holes all over it after some games. I was like, you got to be kidding me. But if a lineman gets you here, they won't call it, call it, and they shouldn't. If they get you out here, that's a holding. Right here, they basically won the hand placement battle. And so a lot of times he would have great get off. He'd make contact with the lineman, and he couldn't get off. He couldn't get off the block. And he would get stuck because they'd have him right here. Um, and so for me, his technique, his pad level, dipping and ripping, getting low, like I talked about DeMarcus Ware, he'd be so low, Walters couldn't catch up to him. His pad level, his, his dip and lean is much better. Um, getting the offensive lineman's hands off. Like a lot of D linemen in the NFL will do martial arts in the offseason because they get so good with their hands or boxing or something like that. I think people underestimate how important hand placement is. Like – I don't know how to wrestle, but every once in a while, there's some, you know, I have people who are like, all right, you're the NFL player. Let's see what you got. And I know that for a fact that they were wrestlers and they come at me, I'll get their hands off, chop them to the ground and they're done. Even though I don't actually know how to do what we're doing better than them. Uh, Cause it's not an actual fight. It's like a mini wrestling match, yeah. um, but I'll win the hand battle and then they're done. And so for me, that's the thing he's always struggled with is fundamental yeah. techniques of getting off of a block. And he looked so much better in the spring game. I'm curious to see what he looks like against starting offensive linemen, but he looked a lot better. So um, first off last night on last night's show, I don't, I don't know if you had a chance to, to check it out at all, but Redcast Dave was saying that he would love to see you um, take me down. Like, you know, have me rush at you and have you throw me down on the ground and, and it's just, I'm I'm laughing because I'm five nine, 175, 180 pounds. You're like six foot six, probably still what two twenty five, two thirty right now. So two seventy, two seventy. Okay, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. And so yeah, as Honky just put up there, we'd all like to see Adam take Rob down. Um, so who knows? You know, maybe maybe we can make that happen someday for charity or something like that. Um, so you you were talking about the offensive line guys from the spring game, and I'm curious if there's any of the guys on the offensive line that you saw that were playing that you think are going to have a chance to make an impact on that side of the ball? Because obviously as a defensive line guy, you're watching how the offensive line guys are playing as well, right? Watching those trenches. Is there anyone on that line that you're seeing as a possible guy that's either going to be a starter or a really good, like six or seven man rotation guy? I mean, the offensive line, they, they struggled in the spring game, especially when it came to pass protection. When it came to run blocking, they looked a little bit better. I, I you know, as expected, I thought Nadine Willie looked pretty good. Trent Hickson, um, he looks like he'll be solid at center. He was taking a great leadership role with some of the guys on the sideline. Uh, I know that Kevin Williams got some reps in there. I feel like he's a little bit better run blocker than pass blocker. I, I do think that while the tackles struggled, 
mightily in the spring game. Again, you know, the start of projected starters were out. I felt like the inside of the O-line played okay. Like, I don't remember a whole lot of pressure up the middle, at least not on a yeah. consistent basis. And when we ran the ball, most of the holes were up the middle. So I kind of felt like the guards and the tackles, Hicks and Willie, uh, I, th- I see potential in Williams, especially with his size, just – you know, he's getting used to going against, you know, guys at Northern Colorado to a Big Ten type competition. Hopefully by the time the season rolls around. Hunter Anthony, a little bit, um, if I'm being honest, hopefully a little bit more fluidity fluidity comes over the summer. Um, but I thought the interior guys definitely looked better than than the two tackles in the spring games. Yeah, I, I mean and I, I I the reason why I was asking is because um obviously, you know, Kevin Williams is a Northern Colorado guy, which is right up the street from me and right down the, right down the road from you. And um, we had him on the show a little while ago and he's, you know, he's a, uh, that kid's determined. I, uh, I have to say, you know, and, and talking with Benning too, cause Benning knows him, I guess he coached him in high school um, was saying that, you know, that kid, like he's, a, he's just an animal out there on the field, just, uh, you know, tough mentally, tough physically and really, really smart, like a really, really smart kid. Um, you know, so it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see, you're right, his development on, on that line too. So, you know, um, Jim Minnesota asked again too, how are guys like Butler and Tanner able to generate so much power on their pass rush at 240 and 225? You know, when I watched Jamari Butler, he just, he has some physical gifts about him. Um, and I mentioned it in, the, I think, the video I did the other day. Like when I watch him, he has just some movements, just some physical gifts about him that uh, not everybody has. And hopefully they, it doesn't mean anything if you don't develop it. Hopefully mm-hmm. they develop it. But it's a, you'd be amazed at how, okay, DeMarcus, where he was getting around Walters that day. But what was he, 250? Yeah. Walters was like 340. Yeah. But where was overpowering him time and time again? You'd be surprised when you learn certain fundamentals and techniques, okay, how, you know, if you can bench a lot, that's great. All right. But if you have great fundamentals and like, if I'm trying to, to engage out here, that's awful. Yeah. That offensive you want to find your center, right? Like, I mean, me right here. Yeah. But if all of a sudden I can have a low pad level, whether I can bench more or not, I just got stronger. If my feet are still moving instead of being dead on contact, it's like I just benched more. If my hands are inside and I'm doing the steering wheel and I'm turning and I'm pulling and that lineman starts to reach ahead and then I snatch him on his face, it's like I'm the strongest player on earth. It's all about the the feeling their weight. It's all about the fundamentals and techniques and obviously being strong in the weight room. But I'm just going to be honest. Offensive linemen tend to be lazy. And if you can take advantage of it, if you can, you know, <laughs> call D-line, them out. Yeah. D linemen aren't smart. Offensive linemen are lazy. Okay. Whatever. You know, but if you can take advantage of, you know, little things here and there that they might give away pre-snap, like they tend to look where they're going or they tend to lean just, they're trying to get that. <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> quoting me. Um, you know, it, it, tag Rob's at is doing that for me and that yeah. tweet. But anyways, you know, they tend to give away the little things here and there. Of all the years I played, there was only one offensive lineman that I could not get a decent pre-snap read on, um, and that was Tyron Smith of the Cowboys. Everyone else I could get some sort of a pre-snap read on way more often than not. So if you can take advantage of that and you can do those little basic fundamentals and techniques, you can play a lot stronger, especially if you combine, combine that with explosion. If you've got explosion, maybe you don't bench five or uh, squat 500 pounds, but if you've got explosion – 
and you combine that with basic fundamentals and techniques and you take advantage of the little things that you might be able to pick up pre-snap, you can look a lot stronger than you may be in the weight room. Like your football strength might be a lot stronger than weight room strength. Yeah. Well, it's funny too that, that you know, and I can apply what you just said to real life too about defensive defensive and offensive linemen because it took what like under 24 hours to set up this show with you and I've been messaging back and forth with Dr. Rob for like two weeks to try to set something up with him. So, I well, mean, he's, just, he's so, haven't you heard he's kind of a big deal? He, you know, no, he, he, you know I mean, <laughs> no, he's, he's a super nice guy. It's funny. Actually the, the messages just between him and I started as like a joke from like a Twitter, th- Twitter thread that was going on. And we were joking back and forth inside there. And then like, you should come on the show sometime and talk about this. And, you know, he's, he's, he's been busy cause he's kind of a big deal. You know, he yeah. is a doctor, you know, yeah. he's a much bigger deal than Redcast Rob. So, you know, well, um, I, actually, I just went on doc talk and I said, Oh, what did I say? I said something about, cause we were talking about the cardio version when they shocked my heart back into normal rhythm. And um, I said, yeah, but um, are, are you even a real doctor, Rob? You know, I, I mean, you're not even a real doctor or something like that. Cause he's an anesthesiologist. Yeah. 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 Um, th- when, when you're getting surgery, uh, they're the most important guy in the room. I was going to say that, that that's the one person I don't room. want making a mistake. Um, right. Well, I did point that out, but then, yeah. I said something about O'Lyman, but then I, I shared the story of Adam Adam Goldberg, not from the ABC show, um, the Goldbergs, but he played at Wyoming, and I went against him every day at the Rams. And he's like, I can teach my Labrador retriever to play D-line. See ball, get ball. Yeah. And I, I was like, you know, I'd, hate, I'd hate to say he's wrong, but he's not that far but off. He's really Those not that both far ways. Yeah, it's it's funny too. The uh, you know, you you said he's an anesthesiologist. We actually have a good friend of the good friend of the show and uh, one of Honky's fraternity brothers, Gary, who uh, is an anesthesiologist, and that's who I went to this. We we went to the spring game together and and all that. He's a season ticket holder for the Huskers, and you know, it's funny because you 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 know you you talk to these guys. They have great sense of humor, and and you're just going like, oh my god, like there's literally a chance at some point in my life where th- my life could be in this guy's hands, right? Like and. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, my mom was a nurse for 50, for 50 years plus, and she was a surgical nurse operating room and she retired because it got to the point to where the doctors coming in were so young. She was basically telling them how to do the surgeries. Oh yeah. Right. So, and they, yeah. So, you know, it's uh, sometimes you have to remember who the smartest people in the room are and and trust them. My my mom was a nurse for 44 years and she ended up, so she was 95% deaf. So she had hearing aids. So I think ultimately it got to the, to the point where it wasn't safe because she couldn't hear enough. Um, I was amazed she could do it as long as she did, but she got sick and tired of everything going computerized, you know, her generation, she wanted to write it out. It's so much harder to learn the computers. But before my first ever surgery, after my rookie year with the Rams or going into the first surgery, I literally just read an article about a lady who had a surgery and woke up during the surgery, couldn't open her eyes, couldn't move, couldn't tell anybody and could feel everything. Okay, and so going into my first ever surgery, shoulder surgery, I was like. I wanted to know everything about the anesthesiologist. Like he was by far the most important person. In the room. I was terrified that was going to happen. Um, so no, Dr. Rob is obviously, he's very important if you haven't heard. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Um, 
Honky's asking a question here too, because I guess he wants me to get back to football or something. I don't know, whatever that is. Um, he's say, saying any memories from the two-hour full contact spring scrimmage in 2005, where Zach Taylor, no green jerseys, won the starting quarterback spot. And the reason Honky's asking that, full disclosure, is he was at that spring scrimmage watching that when when that happened. So you know, he he has fond memories of it. But maybe you can talk a little bit about that. So my guess. Um, my feeling that I've had ever since then. So 04 was not a great season. Um, Callahan's first year, Daly struggled. Joe Daly struggled mightily. Um, there were some issues. And I don't think Daly was thrilled with Coach Callahan. I think he even referred to him as Billy C in front of the media at one point, which obviously <laughs> didn't go over great. Um, and then they brought in Zach. And I got the feeling from the first day of winter conditioning that they were waiting to replace Joe with Zach. And they were just waiting for the opportunity to do that. Almost like when an NFL franchise has a quarterback and then they draft a guy. Like, when can mm-hmm. we just make the switch? And, yeah, Tan- ask well, Ryan Tannehill about that one, right? Well, oh, man. Uh, you know, people <laughs> are all over him that, why don't you want to mentor him and this and that? And, wow. Okay, Man, I don't, wanna, I don't want to teach somebody how to do my job. You know, I've been spending all this time trying to make myself invaluable. Yeah, from a team perspective, a fan perspective, he looks like a selfish, arrogant jerk. But if you're in his shoes, this is my career. This is my livelihood. If somebody came in, you know, let's say you work at the grocery store and you're the best. I don't know. You're the best at putting out the fruit. And then all of a sudden, here comes this new, young, fancy, high-drafted fruit guy. Well, I'm telling him to put the grapes in the freaking grain bin. I'm not telling him where to put the grapes. <laughs> if he can put the grapes better th- there than I can, then I'm out of a job. You know what I mean? Right. So terrible analogy, but I think you get the point. No, I think it's actually a perfect analogy because <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've been to the grocery store and couldn't find the grapes I was looking for. So oh, I'm man. guessing, yeah, I, yeah. I guess it's so, the trained him wrong. I got the feeling that, you know, I, and he probably remembers the scrimmage more specifically than I do. I obviously had a thousand in my life, but there probably came a point in the spring where they were like, okay, Zach looks good enough. Now we can make the switch. And here's what I do remember from the spring game. We didn't blitz anybody except Joe Daly in the spring game. And he threw an INT, which was then pick, you know, pick six. And everyone made a big deal of it until the media found out that was the only guy we were blitzing all day. And then that became the story. So there was a struggle between Daly and Callahan. Yeah, that's uh, that, that makes sense. And and you got to take Honky with a grain of salt too because, you know, he he one he hates the green jerseys, but but two, you know, he uh tried out to be like a team manager back in the 90s and and got rejected for that and then, you know, there apparently he chased Tom, uh Tom Osborne across campus a couple times and kind of, you know, embarrassed himself and yeah, so it'll be he, <laughs> and as he says I hate Rob. So, I mean, you know, it's a uh, you got to you got to take it like that, though. It, but you it's know, because the, the team manager at the time didn't show him how to properly be the team manager. So that's why. Yeah, it's maybe that's maybe that's the case because, he, you know, the team manager didn't want to have him take his yeah. job. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how are you feeling? Have you been over checked out any of the new facilities that they're building right now? I got we got a tour um, from Tyler Kai, a good friend of the shows. Um, he's the assistant athletic director over there in charge of fundraising and and whatnot. And he gave us a tour of Memorial stadium and then kind of gave us like a, a a outside tour of the construction that's going on. And curious, have you had a chance to see that? And kind of, what do you, what do you think about that? I haven't, I kind of, 
I, I don't like, I don't understand 80% when I'm doing things. I don't like unfinished things. I was supposed to start working out, you know, a while ago, very lightly. Um, but I'm like, if I'm doing the heart surgery, I don't want to work out for three weeks and then take a month off to recover from the heart thing. So I, I don't like partially finished things. Um, so I'm just waiting until it's done, then I'll check it out. Cool. Well, I don't want to keep you too long. Yeah, I don't want to keep you too long. We've been on this for about an hour. I always laugh and we, we make this joke every time that, you know, we always say it'll be about like 20, 30 minutes and then it goes an hour because of the conversation. But, you know, I know you've got an appointment to go to kind of important something about your heart, you know, yeah, um, and all that. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, is there a tradition here is we like to give our guests uh, what we like to call a parting shot. Um, before we do that, just to remind everyone again, the um, Tom Osborne interview tomorrow on the character chronicles uh what time is that at so they'll put it out on youtube in the afternoon i will officially post it on twitter and facebook at 8 p.m central time tomorrow night okay cool and then watch for the redcast ours got moved from monday at one to wednesday at one central standard time um we just had some scheduling conflicts so uh redcasters look forward to that and uh do you have a parting shot you want to give us here for the redcast um you know for me, I, I've been saying this a lot lately. I appreciate all the people who have reached out um, in support. Like I said, I've talked to people I haven't talked to since college, high school. One kid, we used to call him Pop-Tart in middle school. And, it, you know, I hadn't talked to him in like 15 years. And so he sends me a text as one example. He goes, hey, this is Philip Lindsay. I have no idea who that is because that's not what we called him. We weren't, weren't that nice. And I go, hey, man, I appreciate it. Who is this? And he goes, Pop-Tart. He just texts back Pop-Tart. So we picked up the phone and we called and we chatted. And, you know, I appreciate everyone who's reached out, who's shown support, things of that nature. Prayers for your daughter, for your family. Um, other than that, you know, um, I'm hoping to get a foundation going here soon. Every time I'm going to, something else pops up. Um, when that gets more legs, uh, I would love to promote that. Otherwise, Facebook, Twitter, check out the show, Character Chronicles on YouTube. Great, man. And uh, with that, we just like to say uh, that's another edition of the Go Big Redcast. You guys have a great day. A Huda Media Production.